Oh my gosh, you guys, welcome back to another episode of 321 Shots, except it's our Halloween edition, so it's getting mm-hmm. a little bit spooky on the pod. I'm Jess Nani, here with my fellow co-host, who is deliciously hilarious and haunted, Miss Allison mm-hmm. Hillman. <laughs> Hi, happy to be here. Me and all my ghosts and demons are happy to be back on the pod. It's Halloween up in this bitch, and I could not be more ready for this. Allison and I have been talking about what to do for October since before we started releasing episodes of this podcast several, several months ago. So to say that we are excited to have our first spooky month of Halloween is an understatement. We have a phenomenal lineup of haunted and spooky themed episodes coming at you all month. There'll be a bonus episode. To say that Allison and I are big fans of ghost content is an understatement. Yes, truly, truly it is. And just difficult doesn't even begin to describe how it's been trying to figure out what I'm doing for these episodes. I have been thinking about it for months. I have been watching so many ghost hunting shows, trying to find the right place. It is so hard. This has to be perfect. And I am stressing out about it. So I can't wait, but time is counting down. Like, I need to figure out what I'm doing for uh, Haunted Places is first, right? Yeah, so we'll give you guys the the rundown. We will be doing this week's 321 Shots. We're doing our personal ghost stories today, and I'll let Allison expound on that here in a minute. And then the next couple of weeks, we will have a Haunted Places episode, Haunted Things episode, and then a Poltergeist episode. Yeah, and then thrown in there as well we'll be doing listener ghost stories so Mm -hmm. excited to hear from you guys be thinking all month long about your haunted experiences we want to hear them but focusing on today's episode allison do you want to do you want to give the give the crew a rundown of how today's three two one shots are gonna run well It'll be a little bit more up in the air this time because Jess and I will be talking about our personal ghost stories, most of which happened when we were a bit younger. Um, We will try to do kind of every other person here as far as uh, what to expect, but I can tell you guys right now, you will not be disappointed in what we have in store for you today. And also, Jess and I will do a special Bluebird edition where we talk about working in the oldest restaurant in Utah and what that was like for the years that we were there. Because let me tell (laughs) you... It was wild. So, Jess, where would you like to start? <laughs> Wait, we need to do shots. Okay, I got too excited. Okay, shut up. Okay, we shots. Did, we, <laughs> we got so excited. So, cheers to ghosts. Allison yeah. and I are not cheating this week. We both have hard liquor in shot size containers. I am drinking a green apple flavored vodka shot. It's the final fruit-flavored mini bottles that I have in my fridge, and I am really sad about what I'm going to have to do next time. Allison, what are you drinking? Just real fast, the green apple-flavored vodka is taking me back to my freshman days of college, and it's really rough. And I, at least it's not UV blue. I can't look that shit in the face anymore, and I never will, so... Here's to you and your green apple-flavored vodka. And I am drinking out of my cute little giraffe shot glass... I am so drinking um, another shot of St. Germain elderflower liqueur, and I'll be taking a shot of that. And I also have a nice cider here 
um, to be sipping on throughout the show. I went to the liquor store, got a few. And in honor of spooky season, I just thought the cider would be great. And Jess, you don't have to participate in this, but I'm thinking for each of our episodes, I will have a spooky themed cocktail that I will be drinking. And I'm very excited for that. So we're starting off strong with cider. Okay. Well, shall we? Uh, yeah. Okay. Three, <sighs> two... I'm good. Three, Sorry. two, one, <laughs> shot. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Oh, Jess made a face on that one. Oh, it's so artificial. It's like not even the vodka. It was like the artificial apple just hit me right in the back of the throat. Mm. Gotta wash that down with some press. Ooh. It's fine. All right, Jess. So... I, we've heard each other's ghost stories before, but it's been a while yes. since we've been through them. And I have mm-hmm. an update for you on one of mine, so that you have. Oh my gosh. Heard. Oh and, my gosh. But if I remember correctly, you can start us off with a wonderful, pure first memory that I think oh. is a great like, kickoff to something that I didn't even be think about that one. Much scarier. So, yeah, like, okay. you want to do that one first? Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. So my very earliest memory is kind of wacky. And I will say I grew up in a very religious household with very religious family members. So you can take this a religious route. You can take it a ghost route, however you want to go. But my earliest memory is of me as a like one-year-old, maybe a little bit younger, laying on my back. Um... And I, can, I know that I'm laying on my back because I can see the legs and, like, bottom of my grandma's couches. She had these, like, really overstuffed jean couches. And I can nice. see the bottoms of this couch and then my aunts and uncles and my, like, parents' legs as if they're – like, the bottoms of their legs as if they're sitting on these couches and I'm laying on the floor by them all. And I, like – moving my head from side to side and I can see their legs. And then I look up and there is just the whitest white I've ever, like I can comprehend. And there are all of these people that are just like seemingly in the air above me, just smiling down at me. And there's like a weird purple haze kind of all around that. And then I just remember kind of rolling over and feeling really safe. Yes, so that's my that. earliest memory. Whether it was angels, whether it was friendly spirits, whether it was fairies, whatever route you want to go on. It was really, it was really, I don't know, quite quite a f- early first memory to have. And I know that my siblings and I all kind of had similar experiences because my little brother Blaine, who I think whether he knows this or not, is a little bit more in tune with the spirit world than I think he'd care to admit. All through his childhood, but particularly when he was a young baby, he would point at the ceiling and babble and laugh as if there was somebody up there like smiling at him. And I remember when I was seven years old and he was maybe six months to a year old, somewhere in there, him we were laying he was on the bed I was on the bed with him making sure that he was okay and we were waiting for my mom to make dinner and she'd asked me to just make sure that he was okay on the bed and he was reaching his hands up at something that I couldn't see and giggling and smiling and all of my siblings have had 
kind of similar experiences to that. And I was a wacky kid. I know this is now I'm on my third one. I'm so sorry here. No, please. I named my brother Blaine. This is why I think he's got a little bit more of a, a connection to the other side, if you will. So when I was four, I named my brother. Um, my parents had a really hard time conceiving my little brother. And when I was around four years old, they've been trying for a little bit. And they had had a, my mom, unfortunately, had experienced a miscarriage and was just feeling really down. And she's buckling me into a car one day, three years before my brother was even born. And I stopped her and I said, Mom, Blaine told me to tell you hi. And she was like, who's Blaine? Do you mean Wayne? Because my dad's boss at the time was named Wayne. And I was like, no, Blaine, the baby that's coming to your belly. He said he has to stay in heaven for a little bit longer, but he's coming. And he told me to say hi. And of course, my mom, I'm four years old. I have no comprehension of the grief my mom's going through of trying to have a baby and, you know, trying to grow their family. And to have that, and I know my mom, and I don't think she'd care if I shared this, but my mom also had an experience spiritually of my brother uh, laughing with her and crying with her in the temple. And so Blaine was just, he was all over the place. Wait, so when uh, when she was like grieving miscarriages, he was... Yeah, so my mom remembers going to the temple and... I will make sure with her before we release this that she's okay. Yes, with me let me know. This. I don't yeah, think she wouldn't know. she would be, but um yeah, when my mom my mom remembers when she was going to the temple one time, there it, there's a room in the temple called the celestial room and basically you can go in there after your ser- you go through your temple ceremonies and it's just kind of a quiet place for reflection, you know, very spiritual, very it's just like a place to pray essentially. And she remembers being in there and she'd gone through the session and they were trying to have kids still and, you know, wondering, basically pleading with God, when am I going to have my next baby? And she remembers hearing a peal of baby laughter and knowing in her heart of hearts that it was Blaine. And (laughs) in any other scenario, that is the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life. I know. Right. (laughs) But in the temple and like, she was the only one that heard it and she feels really, really strongly that it was Blaine basically coming to comfort her before, because she didn't have him I I named him when he was four when I was four when I mentioned the blade the baby coming to your tummy like I that that was three years before he was born That's so awesome. she had three years of just like I know this baby's supposed to come it's not here yet but <laughs> she's grabbing you she's like Jess when did you see you just like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> that story just always gives me chills I love that did your siblings ever say any, like, scary, like, creepy shit besides pointing at the ceiling and laughing? Like, I mean, honestly, had you not had that experience where would have been way scarier. Thought, but, like, I feel like you guys might have been seeing the same things, whether it was, like, yeah. ancestors or, like, obviously, like, babies are so sensitive. It makes mm-hmm. sense that, like, you could – you would know whether to be, like, scared or happy. Did, you know, Lily or Xander ever have any, like, spooky things like that go on? So Xander, (laughs) poor Xander, he is the consummate middle child. So the house that we lived in when Xander was born was the house that I had most of my paranormal experiences as a child in. And there was a corner that 
in our sitting room, kind of by where our piano was, that Xander would not go in. Like if a ball of his or a toy rolled into that corner, he would cry and point at it. When normally if it was anywhere else, he'd just crawl and go get it. He was a very active kid and he would just point at this corner and cry. And if you carried him near that corner, he'd scream. (laughs) And there was a noticeable temperature drop in that corner. And like, you know, take all this with a grain of salt. These are memories of a nine-year-old. But that corner was freaky. And... To be fair, a woman died in the house. We bought the house from a family whose mom had lived in the house and the woman had passed away in the house. My parents got it for a steal. So, yeah, that house, weird vibes, man. Weird vibes. Now, Allison, I had, for the most part, I've got a couple of childhood ghost encounters here that weren't necessarily the best. They weren't scared, like, terrible but they weren't the best but for the most part i had a pretty positive experience with the other realm as a child you on the other (laughs) you on the other hand were literally fighting demons at five years old Mm -hmm. it's what it's what i do it's what we do so it's funny because my all of my like very first memories for the most part are like scary as fuck like I think my very very first memory is either of my parents divorce when I was three or right after that I went <laughs> uh, we were staying at this other our, our friends my mom's friend's house in paradise Utah which is clear out in the middle of nowhere if you guys don't know and her house is I don't know I Jess, I think I'd rather spend a night at my dad's house before I'd spend a night there. And I mean that. Like, at least I know what to expect in my dad's house there. The best way I can describe it is when you walk into her house, it it feels tie-dye. The energy feels tie-dye. There is so many different things fighting for dominance in that house. The energy is absolutely insane. So one of my very first memories was in that house in the basement And at the time, they had a foreign exchange student from South America staying with them. And all I remember is being two or three years old, sobbing, and this foreign exchange student, this, like, 18, 19-year-old girl cradling me in her arms saying, it's okay. If you see something like that again, say, I'm scared of you. Will you please go away? Oh, I hate it so much. That's all I remember. I don't know what I saw. I can only fucking imagine what I saw. But anyway, so, but I remember those words and that will come back into play later. Mm-hmm. And then my next memory would again either be the divorce or something and then 9 11. So it was like a lot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no, it was fine. But anyway, okay, so my dad's house, my dad bought a house um, on the island in Logan. Uh, with, and, you know, when he was going to college at Utah State, you know, years and years and years ago. Because back then you could pay tuition and buy a fucking house for like 25 cents and it was fine. Um, so he just bought a house and it had a nice big backyard. It was this blue house that hadn't been like renovated since the 60s or 70s. And boy, howdy, did it show. Like green shag carpets, wood paneling on the walls, bright orange and yellow kitchen. The works, Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was born in the living room of that house, by the way. Like, my mom did home births for both me and my brother. So she gave birth to us there. And so, like, from, like, the first 
breath of air I ever had in this world was in this fucking house. And I, yeah. the, when I first realized that, it like made me feel some kind of way. So I'll start with my mom and my brother's stories because I have an older brother. He's two and a half years older than I am. I'll start with their stories because they have more memories in that home than I do. So mm-hmm. my mom and I just ran upstairs like 20 minutes ago and made her update me to make sure that I had all these facts straight because I'm not about to fu- – I'm not here to fuck around, Jess. I don't know if you can tell. So she remembers waking up. This is when they my parents were still married. She remembers waking up in the middle of the night and there was this girl with long hair in the corner of her room throwing marbles at her at her face like she was really angry and really mad and like throwing something at her and oh uh, uh the just this was the thing she reminded me of that i forgot about okay another night she woke up and at the foot of her bed was a man in old-timey priest clothes with long white shoulder-length hair and bright red eyes no staring at her I literally am, like, cold. Like, I just got yeah. cold. Yeah. Welcome to my life, Jess. Welcome to <laughs> the Hillman house. And so those were just a couple of her experiences there. Like, the priest with, oh, God, bright red eyes. That's the, literally one of the scariest things I could imagine. Because even if it is, like, a demon, it's taking the form of a priest. Mm-hmm. And that is scary. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So then my brother and I also, we shared a bunk bed in that house. Uh, I was um, probably about three years old at this time, and he was six. And he has a very vivid memory of rolling over at night, and we slept with our door open, as all kids did. And from there, you could kind of see where the hallway enters into the bathroom, and mm-hmm. he watched this spiky creature with spiked head, spiked hands, spiked elbows, spiked knees, spiked feet, walk past our bedroom door and through the bathroom wall. And he drew me a picture of this thing, which we will post on our Instagram. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But I always keep it on hand to show people because <laughs> I have my receipts and I want people to know how fucking scary this house was. So... And this is my last story, then we'll do another section of yours, and then we'll come back. Okay, so another one, another important thing about this house is that it always had a really dark, dark energy. Like, my mom kind of describes it as it was almost like a, the property was haunted. It was like, it's like a portal, almost. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there was one place in particular in the house that she would not go. And that was the trap door that led to a dirt tunnel that led to the furnace and this trap door was directly underneath me and my brother's bedroom carpet and she said that the energy coming from there was rancid and it felt like a portal to evil things and that will come back into play in a bit but we're gonna put a put a quick bookmark in that (laughs) <laughs> that's the beginning that's and that's just my family's I haven't even gotten to my experiences yet yeah these are just well, for my brother and mom and like a little also I think it's important to you know establish your mom is an energy healer yes. in a way I don't know if that's what she would call herself but your mom is very much in tune yes she's a Reiki master 
her house is very cleansed. Like, your guys' house is very safe. And so the fact that she, who is, your mom has lived a thousand lives. I mean, she had you guys when she was in her early 40s. So she's lived many lives. She lived on the open ocean. Like, your mom, your mom has done some scary shit. (laughs) And for her to be scared of a trap door in her child's bedroom tells you a lot and i also think that it's important to note where allison and i went to high school and allison is from logan has a weird energy to the whole valley there is i don't like logan the the cash valley it's it was an old fur trapper trade area there was also a lot of native american tribes that went through it lots of massacres yeah there is weird energy and the island where allison's dad's house is the island specifically is bad yes is really bad it's kind of a marshy like river land there's a river that runs through it and so it's pretty fertile ground but it's just all of the houses it's got it's got a vibe it's got a vibe it's right by logan canyon which is also (laughs) very much its own Mm -hmm. i've got logan canyon as a bullet point on here so from the time that allison was born she was fucked the ghosts were gonna get her no matter yeah but I do but, have to say, without my mom being there, my mom is, like, my lifeline. Like, she is, like, the reason I'm, like, as okay as I am today. But yeah. she, like, being who she is, like, this, like, beacon of light in, like, this, like, dark place was what got me yeah. through living there for as long as I did. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. If my mom ever were to be, like, Allison, don't go in there. Something bad's in there. You would never see me again. I would be – there would be an Allison-shaped hole in the wall. I would be out of there so fucking fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> the best way to find out if an apartment or a house is safe is to have my mother walk through it and be like, I like it. Mm-hmm. Once you get her stamp of approval, girl, you're good to go. <sighs> okay, so that's kind of the first half of mine. Yeah. Um. So I mentioned my childhood home earlier, the one where Xander would point in a corner and scream. So I have a couple from that house that, you know, are, are a rip and roaring good time. So the community that I lived in, I lived in an HOA when I was in later elementary school. And it was predominantly old people that lived in this neighborhood. So there was like a lot of just people dying of old age in and around the house. And so I think there was just like a lot of stuck energy. It was also a house from the seventies that hadn't been renovated. It had teal carpet throughout most of it. It was Mm. a whole thing. So we moved in, I think I was eight and a half when we moved in there and we were there until I was 11. So three years or so. And one of the very, very few kids that lived in the neighborhood claimed to be very in tune with the spirit world. Her name was Victoria. As we know, famously, Victoria's and I, Victoria's and I we have a, a sordid past. Every Victoria I've ever met, there's been something. <laughs> but when she and I became friends through primary, she came over and started talking about all the animals she could see in my house. And the woman who had lived there before us had a lot of animals. And like my parents had talked about how 
the house was clean when they moved in, but there was like, you could tell that there had been animals that had lived in the house. And particularly they had been told that the previous owner had had several birds. And this little girl who did not know that told me the very first time she came over, she was like, why do you have birds all over your window seal? And I was like, there are not any birds on that window seal. I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, yes, there are. There are like three parrots. And I was like, mm. you're like, okay, cool. You can leave. No, there's not. <laughs> Thank you. And this, this little girl for the rest of the two and a half years, she and I knew each other literally every other time she came over to my house, there was something she was seeing and her house that she lived at very similar, very weird vibes. So she was just seeing, seeing shit all over the place. But, um, there was one time in particular that she and I, we lived on opposite sides of this sort of HOA. There was like a big park in the center of the community. And we, I lived on one side of the park and she lived on the other. So we'd walk through the middle of this park to get to each other's houses. And there was one time that she and I were having a layover because I was not allowed to have sleepovers. Thank heavens to my mother for that. And literally my worst nightmare. Truly. Um, (laughs) There was one time that my mom was walking us over to my friend's house. And while we were walking halfway through the park, we just see this very old man wearing a World War II veterans hat. And he's just standing there. And it was probably 830 p.m. Just standing in the middle of the park, just staring at us. And your mom. This is me and my mom and the little girl, Victoria. Okay, Victoria. Okay. And we're walking across the lawn and, like, Victoria and I look at each other and then look at the man and he just keeps staring at us. And we were, like, so we kind of, like, scurried to be closer to my mom and, like, didn't say anything because we didn't want to be rude because, again, good Utah little girls. We're not trying to be mean to old men. But he, like, was staring at us. It was so weird. And I vividly remember his World War II hat. Like, vividly. And... We get to the other side of the park. My mom is about to like ring the doorbell and I turn to Victoria and I'm like, that old man was so weird. Why was he staring at us? And she's like, I don't know. It was so weird. And my mom goes, what old man? (laughs) And we were like, that old man. And we turned around and the old man was definitely not there anymore. And... My mom did not see him, but he was, like, in the middle of the park staring at us, like, very obviously there. She would have noticed, yeah. She would have noticed. My mom is a very vigilant person. So, anyway, the main paranormal experience that I had, and I will go to my grave knowing that I had a ghost just chilling in my bathroom for literally three years, so the way the house was, it was a three-story house. The main floor was like, you know, dining room, kitchen, sitting room. My mom referred to it as a parlor. It was very cute. The basement was like a living area, my mom's craft room, and then a really big guest room that was creepy as hell. I never saw anything in there, but that guest room, the basement one, was so creepy. So then the third floor was my parents' master bedroom, my brother's room and then my bedroom was like at the very end of the stair landing because it didn't really have a hall it was just like the landing and it was open on one side and that went down the stairs it was a whole thing so I 
like many other children, slept with my door slightly cracked. And something that has plagued me my literally my entire life is that I have to pee at 2 a.m. almost every single day. And that has happened to me from the time I can remember. So one of the nights after, probably six months after we had moved in, I got up to use the restroom at 2 a.m. And this is, of course, I don't have a flashlight. I don't have a phone. And I didn't want my parents to know that I was up because they'd come out and they'd get irritated and, you know. How old are you again? Probably eight and a half, nine or so. So I walked to the bathroom across this, like, stair landing. And as I opened the door, the bathroom door was, like, slightly ajar, but I, like, opened it all the way. And sitting on the toilet is a little girl, roughly my age, with long brown hair in a white dress just sitting on the toilet crying and I didn't get any bad vibes from her I could just tell that she was really sad and needed some alone time and so in my nine-year-old self I was like oh I this is occupied I can't go in here and I turned around and walked back to my room and I held it till morning and then that happened pretty regularly throughout the rest of the time living there is I would like try to go to the bathroom and that little girl was in there and I never got bad vibes from her. Like she never scared me. I had like, I think I only talked to her about, or I talked to my mom about her maybe once or twice. And I would just go into my parents' room and use the bathroom if she was in there. And did your parents believe you? I was a very actively imaginative child. So I'm sure my mom was like, there's probably something, but I don't know. But you so every time it was the same thing every time where she would be crying. Not every time. She just would sometimes be there. And it was the same, but it was she'd be sitting on the toilet with the toilet lid closed because my mom is a lid closed lady. And so she'd just be sitting on the top of the toilet lid and she'd just be like crying or seem really sad or just like kind of hanging out as it was almost as if like she'd gotten in trouble and had come up to the bathroom to cry about it. No, it seems very residual, like a residual haunting. Yeah. And, like, if, for those of you that might not know, like, residual energy is energy, like, if that girl is very traumatized, that energy might still be stuck there. Like, it might not be a ghost. Like, she might still be alive somewhere in, like, I don't know, like, Connecticut. But mm-hmm. that residual energy of her having yeah. gone through that, being so upset, lingers to this day, and that's what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Versus an intelligent haunting, which is like a ghost or spirit you're interacting with, and is clearly there, just like hanging out and like doing shit. And mm-hmm. so she was always in the bathroom. She never followed you anywhere. You never talked with her or anything. No, and like I said, it always felt very normal. Like in my childhood brain, it was like. She's just having a bad, a bad time. And I didn't think now that you're describing it as like a residual haunting, it did feel like a memory. Yeah. Very interesting. But yeah, totally. There was some like other weird stuff in that house. Like sometimes things would just like fall into the ground. Like I said, the community itself was very old and very much a lot of old people passing away. I think my parents went to so many funerals in our ward when we lived there. So there was just like a lot of spirits and a lot of things passing through. It was kind of one of those communities where people had bought their homes as young families because it was an HOA with like a pool and things like that. They bought their homes in like the early 70s and had stayed there. So it was a lot of people's childhood homes that their parents just lived in. And so I think there was just like a lot of dead energy 
of like loss yeah. of people moving away stuck is stuck yeah yeah it, the whole vibe feels very stuck to me like the old man mm-hmm. watching you and I wonder if, yes. if your mom could see a snapshot of what you saw if she'd remember him from your ward like I wonder if she went to his funeral I know crazy God, it's insane Crazy how crazy. everything's linked. Oh, Jess, I literally lifted up my feet so they they weren't beneath the couch anymore. Like, I, I don't want anything grabbing my ankles. That's spooky, dude. Kids are fucking crazy. <laughs> the shit that you see when you're a kid, that's insane. Truly. Truly, wow. truly. So, those are kind of my, like, true childhood i had stuff when i was a teenager but my true childhood those are kind of my big pervasive ghost stories i know you have (laughs) as we mentioned (laughs) your brother and your mother alone have some crazy shit but i know you because this whole your dad's house and the house saga give us the dirty deeds all right so y'all as i mentioned my dad bought this house and he was attending college when he was younger because again crazy you could attend college and buy a fucking house and be okay so imagine that imagine that but so he had bought this house and he my dad he is insanely intelligent he was a computer engineer and he can build anything so when he knew that you know he was having a family i had just been born um he was building a home next to this light blue house that I was talking about because he had enough property to do so. So his plan was to build half of a house right adjacent to this blue house. And then once that extension was finished, we would move in there, live there, and then tear down this old blue house. And then from there, we would build the other half of this brand new house. So eventually we would have one big brand new house on the property without having to move away. And so he was building this house by himself. If he had help, it was from like teenagers he hired because like he had a complete plan in his head and he knew what he wanted to do. So this house had kind of gotten to be halfway finished. The inside was not done, but the skeleton was there. It was like insulated and all of that. And it was, it was livable, but it by no means was it finished. And when I was nine months old, my dad was climbing up the ladder to the roof with some muddy boots and he was uh, going to put some shingles on or something, but slipped. And in the process of that, he started falling, grabbed some boards against the side of the house, flipped over and landed directly on top of his head. And the impact of that caused his C1. So if you guys know anything about the spine, C1 is the very first bone attached to the base of the skull. It caused that bone to explode so much that like they couldn't see it on an x-ray and then it broke other bones in his neck and he survived miraculously he shouldn't have but he did and so he was left with this disability while he had a functioning body he was in so much chronic pain and with the slow crushing of his spinal cord he really couldn't end up doing that much to fix the rest of the house as it should have been and so after my parents divorced and I was three, um, again, the extension was livable enough that we decided to move in there when I was like six years old. And so if you kind of, if you can picture an unfinished garage, this is what this house was like. The floors were cement. 
Um, the stairs were plywood. The upstairs floor was entirely plywood. Um, the walls were sheetrock at best. And in the living room, it was mostly just exposed fiberglass. And there were wires hanging from the ceiling with no overhead lights, that kind of stuff. Like, it was it was the skeleton of a house that was never completed. And mm-hmm. so we moved in there, me and my brother, uh, because again, this was half of a house. My dad had originally found a plan to finish this. So me and my brother were sleeping in what was supposed to be my dad's office. And so we were in bunk beds and that's where we were staying. And so with that explained, let's get into the rest because that is important. So from the age of about, uh, what's second grade? Like six, seven, seven? Yeah, seven, eight. Okay, so from the age of about, like, seven, eight years old, I had this, like, reoccurring nightmare that I was standing in my kitchen, and I was, like, I would hear this deep voice say, I see you, and then it would start laughing, and I would start violently shaking, and then I would mm-hmm. wake up in, like, cold sweat, and I had I didn't know at the time what possession was, but that's the, that's the dream I was having, was mm-hmm. this thing that I couldn't see but could see me entering mm-hmm. my body. So I had that reoccurring for about a year. And um, again, so me and, brother were, me and my brother were in bunk beds in this skinny, like, small room. And an arm's reach away from my bed was the wall. And I remember I turned over towards, like, the, the, the wall where I would, like, get into – so the wall across from, like, where I would get into bed that was, like, still fairly close. I turned over <laughs> – and looked and I opened my eyes and on the wall was this very tall skinny shadow man standing there and looking right at me and I remember I could see it perfectly like I remember his arms like his legs his waist like this tall like slender man a little bit before slender man was a thing yeah but here's the thing I didn't feel terrified like I wasn't, like, pleased by any means. Like, I wasn't here for that. But I didn't get, like, an evil feeling. It almost felt like it was passing through. And I remember looking at this thing. I was probably, again, about six, seven years old. Like, when I could start, like, really remembering things. And I had a flashback to that exchange student cradling me. When I was three years old saying, if you ever see something, tell it I'm scared of you. Will you please go away? And so I said that in a whisper out loud. I'm scared of you. Will you please go away? And it did. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was able to fall asleep and it was fine. And I can say with confidence that that is the nicest interaction I ever had with the spirit in that house. And I truly believe it's not so much the house as it was the property. That property is fucking cursed. Mm-hmm. Cursed. And we have proof of that. And, okay, so... I guess that kind of leads me to this next part. So, in this next phase, my dad was, again, at this point in his life, he was still well enough that he could kind of do some physical activity. So, at this point, he was like, okay, let's tear down this blue house since we're not living in it anymore. And so, we finally tore down the original house when I was born in where, like, my brother and mom had these crazy experiences so we tore that down. I was about 10. And <laughs> okay. So remember the trap door I mentioned that was under my bedroom carpet in that house? Unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we took that out, when we ripped all that up, the trap door was gone and it was just a hole in the ground. 
a hole and a dirt tunnel, pitch black. And I had a healthy uncertainty about that hole. I was not about to, like, be that white bitch in the movie that's like, oh, my God, like, what's this? I'm going to jump in and see. I was pretty okay with never looking in that thing or going near it. But my brother had a friend over. Kyle, I will never forgive you for this. Ever. Anyway. (laughs) So my brother had a friend over. He was so my brother was probably like 12, 13 at the time, and a can of vegetarian soup had rolled into this hole. And my brother was like, Hey, Allison, my friend James, he's a vegetarian. You should go jump in there and get it for him. And I was like, No, you're gonna lock me in. And he's like, I swear to God, promise, won't do that. And I was like, Kyle, you're gonna lock me in. And he's like, Allison, just do it for James. Like, he's a vegetarian, he needs that. And so I was like, fine. So I jump in to this pit in the ground, the same pit that my mother refused to go near that was under my carpet, and him and James threw a piece of plywood over the pit and sat on it. So I was now stuck, age 10, in this pitch black hole in the ground that my mother herself described as like a portal to evil. And I remember shrieking as loud as I can and banging on this plywood like begging for them to let me out but I can hear like their muffled laughter coming from above me and to my right which is where the tunnel was would extend I I could feel something approaching me from here but it was approaching really slowly like it was taking its time like it wasn't it didn't need to hurry and it was coming towards me I could feel the energy get higher and higher as it got closer to my body and with it approaching more I started to get more and more panicked this is also the very first time I ever said fuck you to someone by the way was from this pit I yelled fuck you to my brother (laughs) so fun little trivia fact there for everyone okay so this thing's getting closer I am screaming uncontrollably and they finally like I could feel this thing was like inches from my body and that's when they lift up the plywood and I was able to actually jump out. That was one of the scariest, like that's like something from a cliche horror movie, like like the older sibling locking their younger sibling in a dumbwaiter, like that kind of thing and sending it to the basement. Like that would, that's the vibe we're going for people was little sibling who trusted too much. (laughs) Kyle is so lucky that you didn't get possessed in that tunnel and that you didn't turn out to, like, be a murdering demon. Well, that is the plot of the movie <laughs> happening. But, yeah, I mean, he, I think he feels bad about it now. He, I mean, he fucking should. Around this same time when we were, like, tearing down this house, I remember we also found, like, newspapers in the walls with, like, obituaries on them. Like, we found a lot of weird shit. And so in the backyard, my dad was in this tiny little backhoe thing, like digging up. It's called a cat. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And he yeah. was digging up the ground to build a shed. And this, oh my fucking God, my cat just opened my door. Did you see that, <laughs> Jess? I almost fucking shot my skull. That was the scariest thing I've ever experienced. You almost <laughs> shot your fucking skull? <laughs> Because in my screen, I could see the doorknob open past me. Okay. Rue, that's illegal. That is absolutely illegal. You cannot. I'm like tearing up. That was so fucking scary. Okay. Okay. So my dad was in that little backhoe thing. And he was digging up the backyard. 
And he himself, and my dad does not believe in any of this. He never believed our stories. He never was ever a comfort through any of that. He said himself that the second he hit this pocket of earth, this wave of grief and depression and sadness just overwhelmed him and then left as soon as it came. And when he moved the shovel, he looked down and in the earth, we had just uncovered baby clothes and ashes, like a grave. We literally had just dug up a baby's grave. Like, I remember what these clothes looked like, too. Like, it was a little, like, little uh, cute peasant shirt and then, like, blue leggings with little pink flowers on them. Somebody mm-hmm. who had lived there before us had obviously lost their daughter at the age of two or three and buried her, probably in her favorite place in the yard. And my dad, unbeknownst to him, had just undug this thing. And mm-hmm. so... For the rest of the day, my brother in particular, he felt, like, really gnarly, like something had attached to him. And we both felt really weird. And so we picked up what we could of these remains, clothes, forgive me. I don't know. Moved them to the side of the yard and then, like, reburied them. And put, like, a little mm-hmm. stake in the ground. Had a little moment. But it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great, but in this, mm-hmm. in the same time, it had validated everything that had happened in the house so far. I was like, okay, there obviously is something here. There's mm-hmm. some shit that has happened on this property. It's not just me. Like somebody has passed. Like, anyway, so it validated all the bad emotions, and Absolutely. I knew that there was actually physical proof that shit had gone down. So, all right, what about you, Jess? Ick. What's your next? Ick. <laughs> Ick. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God, your dad's house, or your dad's house's ghost stories are just ick. No, they're horrible. They're horrible. So in Logan, there is a canyon that takes you from. So Logan is in the very northern part of Utah, bordering Idaho. And there is a canyon that takes you from Logan to this place called Bear Lake. And you can go from Bear Lake to southern Idaho, or it'll take you into Wyoming if you go around the other side of the lake. This canyon, (laughs) when I tell you it is a hot mess, this canyon is a hot mess. (laughs) It's bad. It is one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in. But it is... So very much, I don't even want to call it haunted. It is just not, it is, it is not present for people on it's this. It's not of this world. It is not present for people of this world. Like we are using it. We are trespassing on it. Mm-hmm. And yes. we shouldn't be there. Yes. The prevailing feeling I have anytime I am in Logan Canyon any farther, there's like a line that I. Yes very much there is a line that you cross second dam at second dam and once you are past that line in any capacity it feels like the canyon does not want you there anymore and i truly truly i mean there's so so much and there's some scientific backing to this there is some sort of the way that the canyon is there's like some sort of ecological thing that makes the canyon glow (laughs) 
I cannot. Have you never heard about this? So there are pockets of the canyon that there will be glowing orbs. And the first time I saw this, I was camping with some friends and I was like, we're about to get yeeted into the next century by this (laughs) freaking glowy orb. And my friend, who is far smarter than I am, was talking to me about how there's a certain gas in the canyon that mix when mixed with cool air gets like like kind of glowy sort of almost like it's kind of like how the way that the northern lights work where there's like just the way that the cold air mixes with this sort of ga- mm. gaseous chemical that is prevalent throughout the canyon it like makes these glowy orbs so i'm taking that at face value because i've seen these things they're freaky don't like it. But there was this one time in particular, and this was a this trip was a hot mess all the way around, but it was very much the canyon saying, you do not belong here, leave. My friend Braden and I went on this one night backpacking trip up to a small lake that's in the center of the canyon called White Pine Lake. And I had been up there to camp many, many times. It's what it's like I said, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It's a sort of mini valley. You have to hike four miles to get into it. And there's this tiny lake that's just surrounded by canyon walls. So, so pretty. You have to do about a mile of switchbacks down a mountain to get into it. It takes about an hour and a half to hike to and from if you're hiking fast. So we went at probably 10 a.m. because we were going to spend the whole day up there and then spend the night and then leave the next morning. So we went at like 10 a.m. We hiked in. There was a bunch of people that were there hiking out and then a handful of people hiking in with us. And so we hiked into this lake and set up camp and just kind of spent the day dicking around. We um, There's a bunch of caves that are around. So we hiked up to some of the caves. And the whole time I was there, I was like, something bad is going to happen. Even from like the very get-go, once we started going down the switchbacks into the valley, I was like, all my spidey senses were up. I was like, yes. we should not be here. We should not be here. But... I was like with my friend, we were supposed to be having a good time. We were listening to good music, like on the trail and stuff. And I was like, I'm just being, I'm just being silly. Cause like, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to sleep outside and I'm just like being a brat. So we spend the day up there. We fly fish, we do all this stuff. And by the time dinner time rolls around, we're the only ones in this whole valley when the day mm-hmm. had started, we had seen there was a bunch of other people there. There was other people that were like looked like they had set up camp. But by the time we got down from like our little cave hike and that we'd gone fishing on the other side of the lake and we came back around, there was not a single other soul in this valley. And it's like a pretty popular campsite in the summer. And so we were just like, everyone is gone. That's so weird. And again, as we started making dinner, I was like, we need to leave. And I did not, like, I did not heed that spidey sense. I was like, everything, everything is wrong. Like, everything feels wrong. Everything is telling me that we need to get out of this valley. Yeah. And so we make dinner. It starts to get dark. I mean, obviously, we had flashlights and all of these things. And we've, like, set up our camp and everything. And we, it suddenly, the temperature just plummets. Middle of the summer. It was, like, early August. 
the temperature just suddenly plummets and like our we'd banked our fire because we were gonna like settle in for the night and all of a sudden we hear just crunching footsteps just crunching footsteps i don't know if it was of an animal i don't know if it was a of a human just footsteps on the oh. outside of our camp and we had we had gone to a campsite that's like at the top of this hill and the only reason you would be up there is if you were at the campsite because like you know you can kind of tell where these different campsites are it had like a metal mm-hmm. fireplace because you know you're in national forest so if you want to have a fire you need to have it at a designated fire spot and whatever so the only reason you would be coming up there is to be in your camp it's not like a pass through for other campsites and it like sounded heavy so naturally we're like okay there's either a human up here that's coming to rock our shit but to the best of our knowledge there's no other humans up here and like it was windy at this point and we can just hear steps all the way around our campsite over and over and over again and it's just us two we are huddled next to each other just like fuck 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 just basically like hiding and finally we hear these steps go down the hill and Brayden who I was with both of us just looked at each other and we were like we have to leave and it was probably at this point 1 32 a.m and we packed our stuff literally in probably two minutes it had taken us like 20 minutes to set up camp two minutes to tear down and we it was like a four and a half mile hike right I think I I mentioned that previously and it literally felt like we were running for our lives I am not a religious person but at this point but as we were hiking out it was the most that I had prayed in probably five years And there was, like, a whole weather thing happening. Like, you could see far off that there was lightning happening. It was so scary. And basically sprinted this hike. And at one point, we saw a mountain lion. It was, like, not it. But everything about the valley was screaming, get out of here and do not come back. And we got to Brayden's car. And where you park to go to this hike is this place called Tony's Grove. And Tony's Grove also... I mm-hmm. I have never really heavily looked into the history of Tony's Grove, but I'm pretty sure that it had spiritual meaning to a Native American tribe. I feel like I have been told that. I would and be shocked if it hadn't. It is because it's it another. It's a, it's a beautiful lake. It's a get like it's stunning and like all these things, but it's like been paved over and there's a paved road around the whole lake and it's like been turned into a public day camping area and all of this stuff. And as we get there. All of a sudden, we see all of these eyes pop up, and there's just a herd of cows <laughs> because it's a free range cow area. And we just see all of these cows, and then we see deer. And I don't fuck with deer. Deer to me is they are they are running with the wrong crowd, and we are just like oh, our car's the only car in the parking lot, so we hop in the car and both of us just start screaming holy shit holy shit what was that (laughs) but then allison we have to drive down the canyon that does not want Mm -hmm. us there i was like we are going to crash this car and they're gonna find our bodies in like two months and we are gonna be on an episode of dateline it does not want us here yeah (laughs) and so 
Brayden got gets us out of the canyon. We saw so many deer. It was so scary. And we got back and both of us were like, we will never go there again. We will never go there again. And I have not set foot in Tony's Grove since. And I don't know, again, I don't know if this counts as a ghost story, but it was one of the scariest experiences of my life. And I just, like, have never felt more, like, even talking about it, I feel like I'm, like, trespassing again. No, no, okay. You guys, unless you've been there, Jess, that's exactly how it feels. I do not go into Logan Canyon at night. No. Unless I have to drive through. Yeah. Not past second dam. There's just, there's just, like, a lot of pervasive, weird energy in the area. Okay, what just happened to you? What just happened? You just freaked out. What? What was that? Brendan just made a loud noise. (laughs) Okay, so we're back at my dad's house. The scary unfinished house that looks like an unfinished garage, but it's the whole house and we live in it. There are ghosts, shadow men, and baby clothes in our backyard and ashes everywhere. Not a good time. So for several years, I would wake up and just see things lunging at me like lunging at my face and that would happen more than once over the course of several years like it was just kind of this reoccurring thing and eventually I moved into my own room because my I had an older brother what name me the 10 sorry the 12 or 13 year old boy that wants to share a room with his little sister okay it wasn't gonna happen so my dad had there was like basically this like walk-in closet that um we were kind of transformed into my bedroom. <laughs> so, uh, for you oh. listening at home, Allison has trauma with a capital T. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> no, it's fine. Fair, but it wasn't so much the walk-in closet. It was actually the safest place in the house because I actually got to finish that room. Mm-hmm. It was the only room in the house that had carpet. It was the only room in the house that had paint on the walls or any kind of decoration. And because I it was mine, so I got to do as I wanted. So I put carpet in it. I painted it light blue. And there's this like kind of hole in the wall sort of where my feet went. And I painted that purple so it looked like a sunset. Then I plastered a picture of probably like 50 different fairies mm-hmm. all around my room. And in hindsight, it's the equivalent of a Christian putting crosses up everywhere. Like it was the same kind of thing where it was like for protection and safety. Mm-hmm. So I loved that room. It didn't have any windows to the outside or anything, but it... It was my little haven. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I slept for a few years. And so these next stories take place kind of in that time period of where I was like a preteen teenager. Mm -hmm. So for reasons that you can probably completely understand, my brother had no interest in ever being there. So he was always off at his friend's house doing other things. And so I was mostly me and my dad home alone most of the time. And there was one night where I had just folded everybody's laundry and I was carrying my brother's laundry up the stairs and into his room, which we had once shared. And as I opened the door and reach for the light, because again, we didn't have any overhead lighting. It was all lamps. I reach for the light. It's pitch black. And then I hear right next to my face. (sighs) Oh God, I hate it. And the laundry that I had on my arms, I chucked it as hard as I could over my shoulder at the general area where that noise is because, you know, that'll stop a murderer <laughs> or a demon. 
anyway, I chuck it in that general direction, close the door, run down the stairs, and super casually, I'm like, hey, dad, so, like, is Kyle here? And my dad's like, no, he's at his friend's house. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Love that. That's so fun. Cool. I was just wondering. And so when my brother got home a few hours later, I went up and I was like, hey, just so you know, I heard heavy breathing in my right ear coming from your bedroom when I went in there. I didn't see anything. I hadn't turned the light on yet. And he was like, fuck. So the next morning, I, of course, scamper up to him. I'm like, so what happened? Did anything happen? Did you see anything? And he was like, like, he had, like, this dream slash vision. I can't remember. I think it was one of those half-asleep, half-awake things. But he woke up and saw this boy standing by his bed. This boy was, like, he looked like he was from the 70s. He had, like, a bowl cut. He was in kind of this, like, tattered clothing. And he was holding this ticket in his hand. And my brother, whether this, I can't remember if the boy told him to or not. But my brother was like, I need to go into the backyard. And again, middle of the night. But because this is real life and not a fucking horror movie, my brother was like, I'm not going to go in the fucking backyard. So he just went back to bed and told me about it the next morning. Okay, I think I'm caught up. I think this leads to my like like climactic story here. Do it. <sighs> okay, so this story, this is the last night I ever spent at my father's house. I refused to ever sleep there again, and I haven't since since this happened. So I was in eighth grade, 13, 14 years old. I was playing Guitar Hero, as one does. My brother, again, was not home. My dad was asleep, and I was downstairs alone playing Guitar Hero. And then all of a sudden, I just got this... Ooh, I'm getting it again. I just got this really just weird feeling like tingles like the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I looked looked around I was like I can just like feel something watching me and I was not I had known this feeling before obviously I'd lived there my whole life and I was like okay I know what this is I just need to go upstairs and it'll just be fine so I turn on all the lamps downstairs and I turn off the tv and all the electronics and I, I get to the point where I just have one lamp on down by the bottom of the steps and again, these stairs are plywood and the room that it's in is cement. And so every noise, every step on those stairs echoes and echoes in this room. And to get from the bottom of the stairs to the bathroom, which is where I was headed, I'd have to go up the stairs in the dark, down the hallway in the dark, and close the bathroom door and then I'd be able to switch on a light. So knowing that, I remember telling myself, okay don't run don't run don't run because I knew that's what it wanted I was like as soon as you show fear it'll get so much worse Jess is shaking her head vigorously everybody who can't no. see I hate it I've heard the story so many times and every time you tell it I just like want to vomit <laughs> thank you it was really terrible experiencing it too so I'm working up the courage not to run and I switch off the light downstairs and I take a few steps up the stairs, slowly, very methodically, I'm completely fine, and then I hear behind me, like, something running up the steps, 
10 times faster than I'm going. I lose all sense of calm and start taking these steps, like two steps, three steps at a time. It's echoing all around me. I can hear it from every direction. I get onto the second floor and I am sprinting down the hall. Again, plywood hall. It's loud. I'm sprinting down this hall and I run into the bathroom, slam the door, turn on the light. And in this, oh God, coming from the second story window outside, I hear this maniacal clown laughter is the best way I can describe it. It sounded like, (laughs) just like that. I could hear it as, and with somebody, I don't have good hearing. I could hear it crystal clear crystal clear like i'm talking to you now like my head snapped in that direction like what the fuck was that and i look and i couldn't see any there was no face but i could have i could hear it and i could feel it and again this is a two-story bathroom window there was nothing up and around that no balcony and also fun fact this exact spot is where my dad fell and broke his neck (sighs) so i Spent the next 45 minutes in the bathroom just trying to get my senses together, knowing that I could not sleep there that night because my dad would wake up in the morning and be like, what the fuck are you doing? So I had to go back to my own bedroom. So I tried to call myself. I got ready for bed, pumped myself up like, okay, got it. It's only like 20 steps to your bedroom. You got this. And so I opened the door. I don't see anything yet. I shut off the light and again I'm in pit like complete darkness and I start running to my bedroom. I hear behind me again. I jump into my room and I slam the door and the fucking mirror that was on the wall across from me shatters. Like somebody just kicked a hole through the middle of it. It shatters. I didn't touch it. It was across the room and I cannot describe to you the fear that I felt in that moment. And I was in my little fairy sanctuary in my in the safest room in this house and that night I went to bed and I remember I was just crying. My heart was beating so fast and I was just like sweating. And then as soon as that feeling came, it just lift I could feel it lift off of me and I fell asleep I woke up the next morning and was like I will never spend another night here again and ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between that is the last time I spent a night in my father's house and this was all before the age of 14 years old all of those stories all all before his house is absolutely cursed and Jess you went in there you've seen it so this is what's crazy. I I mean, I've known Allison more than a decade at this point. And I, I've heard the story told many times in different contexts. But a couple Christmases ago, I spent Christmas with Allison and her family because my family was uh, in Denver. And so I spent like Christmas morning with them. It was a delight. Love spending holidays with the Bell Hillman family. It's so fun. But... We, after the fact, went to go say Merry Christmas to your dad. I'd never met your dad. This was the first time I met your dad. And we went to the house where Allison grew up. And I got to see the backyard. I got to 
go into the house, experience the house. So like I can see, I know what it sounds like to walk up those stairs. It is bone chilling how absolutely terrifying it is. And the backyard specifically, uh, there's like a lot of, your dad has like a lot of things in the backyard. So like, he's a hoarder. I think that it's, well, he's your dad, not mine. So I thought I'd let you call him. (laughs) He's a hoarder. But I, there's no way, the backyard specifically, like, and you can see where your mom, because like you showed us the vegetable garden that was like kind of in the corner and you can see where your mom like tried And I think that's the thing that's so hard is that, like, all of it was with such good intention. Yeah. Like, your dad built this home with such good intention of, like, creating this, like, house and then, like, Mm -hmm. the land really. And it was actually him that was growing the vegetables. He was a vegetarian when my parents met. He was actually very very spiritual. It was after he broke his neck that everything went to shit. And... Yeah. He got really, really dark. Mm-hmm. But I remember you were particularly upset when you saw my bedroom. Like, my little closet Harry Potter hole. I, like, so, Allison, when she says walk-in closet, it is not an exaggeration. It is a closet. It was her dad's bedroom's closet that she was in. And it's painted either blue or purple, Parts of it are purple blue and purple, and parts that are like blue, and you can see because it's still the way that you left it. You can see the care taken with cutting out these fairies. I like. I have. It makes me so upset to talk about. Like I am so mad for you. Um, I've talked about this in therapy. Like I've talked about your experience in my therapy because I was like, this is so horrendous that you like you had to create the safe space for yourself. And like, you can see the childlike attempts to make a safe space. like with the cutout fairies and everything. And like, they were so carefully taped to the wall. And I just, oh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. And to be fair, it's not nearly as bad as a lot of kids in this country have had. Like, I, I had a roof over my head. I'm so grateful for that. I had my own room. Even though it was tiny, I had my own room. And I had, you know, electronics. I had food. And I had plumbing. Like, I, I really, from a lot of people in this country, I have no reason to complain. But it, it was definitely an experience. And I am grateful for what I had, for sure. But... My mom's house was definitely my safe haven, and mm-hmm. I will forever be grateful that I had her house to escape to. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, on that super happy note, should we finish off with our bluebird story? I think we should. I texted my mom, and I was really hoping that she'd get back to me because I thought that it would actually be kind of fun if she got back to me in a timely manner to bring her on for a minute, but she has not responded. So, devastating. But want to give her a quick call? Fuck a wee ball. can you hear it yeah i sure can oh my gosh hi mom hi hi sorry to bug you no you're good hi my phone was on the nightstand and i walked around the corner from the laundry room and i was like i think my phone's ringing (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh um well i was calling because allison and i are 
currently live on the podcast talking about bluebird oh. ghost stories. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I you were the one that told me the clock story. Yes. I just was curious if you could relay the details because I want to make sure <laughs> our stories line up. And then did you ever have anything or was everything from um Amber? Amber. And you're the cleaning lady. Oh, yeah. I mean, I heard stories from multiple people. Uh, the most prominent was, yes, the, uh, the clock story, which is that, <clears throat> you know, the cleaning person um, and even other employees, Katie being one of them, had been there late in the evening. Everybody gone, most everybody, or, you know, maybe some of the brothers working in the kitchen, but they're out there by themselves. And this clock that's an antique, right, mm-hmm. uh, hasn't worked supposedly in who knows how many years will would chime out of blue and freak everybody out. <laughs> I hate it. I hate that so much. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, that never happened to me. Um, the other one was downstairs in, I mean, I'm assuming that you explored Bluebird the same way I did, which was kind of like people showing you all the, the creepy crevices I mean, downstairs. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And my own personal story, and I had heard of this, and so it was probably manifested in my own brain when it happened, but someone said, you should go down and go through the crawl space. We're pretty sure that there's an entity living down there. <gasps> and, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, what? No, that's so scary. I can't do it. And then one night I got talked into it um, by another coworker, and we went down there with a flashlight and went back. And as you're going back, right, it's in the lower level. So it already feels cool and it's a crawl space. So you can tell that the temperature drops, but like as you're walking through it and kind of like hunkering down, right, you can't stand up in it. Um, big old freezing cold section of it. Like you could walk through it and it would be, you know, like chill, like, you know, like a crawl space, kind of like lower temperature, maybe 50 degrees. And then this one spot, like two feet of absolutely freezing cold air. And then you would walk through it and on the other side would be what the temperature was previously oh so yeah (laughs) and I did experience that myself you know again was it manifested in my head maybe but it was really creepy it definitely felt super creepy down there like uh, I don't know hiding place for something bodies who knows what's discovered down there why is there even a dugout underneath the restaurant in the first place yeah it didn't have shelves or storage like I don't remember how um you know I just remember being very very rough and all dirt and wait (laughs) incredible which which room was this in like in the basement so okay so my memory is serving me that you You've got the roll room. Yes. And then just off of the roll room is that dishes room for all the banquets, like basically yes. dishes storage. And then there was an additional room that was quite small, like maybe seven by seven, you know, <gasps> or six by six, really, really small. And it had a cot in it and it had like, you could tell <gasps> that somebody slept there regularly. What? I never went okay. in there. 
Also, and, like, I have literally never seen this room. No? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I'm remembering is off the roll room. You had the dishes room and then this really small room that basically had a cot and, like, some shallow cabinets that were way old. I mean, they had to have been from, like, the 20s. Um super super old original cabinets from somewhere and then like an old tv like a 70s tv tray and then beyond that was another door and it was like skinny and weird like almost like someone had had taken like a a particle board am I thinking of the right thing yeah like particle board yeah like one of those sheets and it kind of fashioned a door back behind there and then that got moved aside and that's the crawl space that I went into <gasps> what the mom I didn't know th- I didn't know this <laughs> we had no and idea that that even it existed was so creepy so creepy <gasps> I did not know that existed because it's technically running under the kitchen right yes yeah and the thing that was really weird about this tunnel is that it didn't keep going <gasps> like it was only about 10 what? feet long this is what I'm saying, no. is why in the world would this be dug out? It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> you can't hear her, but Allison is, like, in her shirt, like, giggling with nerves. Right? <laughs> it was so creepy. So creepy. And I never went down there again. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I'm so glad. I knew that if I called you, you'd have something that I'd never heard. I'm so glad. <laughs> Um, well, mom, I appreciate your time at 8, 8 p.m. <laughs> no, it's good. You caught me right before I was going to hop in the shower. So there excellent time. Thank you for letting us phone a friend. We appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. Happy to help. Ghost stories. I'm equally fascinated and terrified by them. So it's a, it's a great podcast to be part of. <laughs> Absolutely. We should have just had you on as a guest for the whole thing. But call her. Thank I, you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you kindly. Allison also says thank you because, again, unfortunately, you can't hear her. Bye-bye. Love you, girl. Love you, too. Enjoy your shower. (laughs) Bye, Abby. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) A cot? What the fuck? A cot? What the fuck, Jess? (laughs) A cot? Okay, wait, you guys. So Jess's mom worked at the Bluebird way before we did. Yeah. She worked there from the time I was like 11 or 12 through until I was 14, early 15. And then I started working there uh, a couple months before I turned 16. So I think the best way to describe it is that the Bluebird is over 100 years old. And it's on a main street of a very old town. And the basement has... It is, it is some crumbling foundation. It is on a historical registry, so there's only so much they can do about it. But it is a bunch of mini rooms that has been built over decades for different purposes. There's like a chicken wire room that they mm-hmm. where they store their candy. Dry storage. Dry storage. There's like two industrial walk-in refrigerators that are required by law to be updated. But the rest of it is very much like what they had there's like this tool room that's just like built-ins with plywood that's probably older than my dad like it is such a creepy basement and 
there's a lot of energy in there. Alice and I both have had countless experiences in the Bluebird. I, my mom, one of the reasons I wanted to call my mom is because some of these were her stories and I figured I'd just let her tell you. So the clock one that she started with where the, the really old clock would ding or chime, even though it hadn't been wound or hadn't been on in decades. So in the main part of the Bluebird on the main floor where, you know, the reception is where you come in is this classic 30s 40s 50s style soda fountain with like a granite countertop it's like regal mirrors all of this and on the top of this mirror that faces the soda fountain is like a shelf that has all of these clocks along the top of it and like weird antique like there's also a ship it's very weird and so One of the other stories uh, that my mom didn't mention from the cleaning lady, her name was Amber. She'd worked there for forever. One time while my mom was working there, Amber told everybody that there was a night she was in there cleaning past midnight after a Saturday double rush. And she was what the last thing that Amber did before she leaves for the day is mop the floors front to back. So then she can leave out the back door, lock everything up and let it dry overnight. While she is mopping the final main big room, all of the antique clocks above the soda fountain went off at once and all of their doors flew open. And she said she dropped her mop right then and there, beelined out of there, and didn't come back for like two days. And for all of you guys, if they're talking about the ones that are uh, above the soda fountain and also above directly across that, there's a chocolate bar. Mm-hmm. There are at least six, and there's also yeah. a humongous grandfather clock in the middle of yes. like one of the sections too. Did that also go off? So to have all of the clocks in that, she just describes it as all of the clocks in the front area, but specifically the ones over the soda fountain. Fuck that! In any capacity, clocks going off that have not been wound, terrifying, absolutely terrifying. So that's one. The upstairs, so there's two banquet halls, but the one that's on the third floor called the Florentine Room is weird, weird little kid ghost vibes. So I had a very crazy ghost experience up there. I was up there setting up for a hundred person banquet by myself. The restaurant was empty. It was like on a Tuesday night. And so there wasn't really anybody downstairs except for the closer. And I had most of the lights off because I was just finishing up. And there was like kind of similar with Allison's thing story earlier where there was like only one place you could really turn off the lights. And so it was easier to turn them all off and then walk down. So I'd grabbed all my stuff after I'd finished to walk down and the restaurant is silent. So it's not echoes from downstairs. And I know there was not any children in the web restaurant when this happened. As I'm about to walk down the stairs, I suddenly hear giggling and little feet running around the room. Mm. And you know what? In the classic sentiment, not my circus, not my monkeys. I grab my stuff and I walk downstairs and I was like, you guys have fun. I'm not fucking with little kid ghosts. Not happening. It's above your pay grade. Well above it is, your pay grade. It is above my pay grade. Don't mess with the napkins. Don't knock any glasses off. You do you, boo. Have a good time. <laughs> Have a good time. Literally, I was so calm. I was like, I hate that. I'm walking downstairs now. <laughs> That's how all of my experiences were at the Bluebird, too, where I was like, all right, 
I I have to be here for another four hours. I can't react to this. <laughs> I cannot handle this right now. So that was an, well, that was one of the crazy ones that I had there. Another one, I was downstairs. And Allison, I know you and I have both seen this ghost. It's the man downstairs the man. with the top hat. The hat no, you man. saw two? Wait, when? Yes. Have we not had this conversation? Wait, he was when like did in you the potato By the potatoes in dry storage. Wait, I, wait, what did you see? We have absolutely talked about this i went downstairs into dry storage by that like weird potato area potato room i hate that the potato room again all these tiny rooms made out of plywood not good not a good vibe but we didn't know any better so i was down there and i walked around the corner and there was just like a man that did not work there and he was like not fully tangible and he had a little hat on and i was like nope could you see features or was it just like a shadow? I mean, like, it was like, just like, I don't know, like a man. I don't know. Like, it was more like, like, I didn't see his face. Jess, I don't think I've heard you say that before because I would remember. I swear we've talked about this. Jess, I that is, swear we've talked about I've this. I've seen that same fucking guy down there. Yes. you. So many people have seen this guy. I didn't like, know that other people saw him. I remember I was, it was yes. during an insanely busy Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I walked down the horrible, creaky, terrible, haunted steps down to the basement to get ice out of the ice machine. I look to my right mm-hmm. and I see through the chicken wire in dry storage, the silhouette of a man with a top hat staring at me. And all I remember Ugh. is being like, are you fucking kidding me in the middle of a rush? <laughs> Sit down. I cannot deal with this right now. Yeah. Like, I was more like annoyed than anything. Like, I was like, okay, absolutely fuck right off. I don't have time for you. Like, I'm so slammed. No, quite literally. I was like, I guess I don't need any cans of clams right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Millie saw him too, like in the candy section. Like, I know that other people have seen this man. Oh, dude, I have chills. I did not know you guys saw him, too. Because I'm sh- pretty sure that Amber has, has talked about him. Like, he, like, pervades the basement. Not good. We will not, do not Google what it means to see a ghost in a top hat because it is scary. Yeah, hat man's, hat man's bad. If you had a divorced family, RIP. Hat man is not, not it. But, yeah, that's, I mean, those are my big ones in the, in the bluebird. Did you have any others? I, I have one more. It's very brief, but I, again, the same steps that I walked down to get the ice, I would walk up and you, once you walk back up, you're directly behind that historic soda fountain bar, marble bar. I walk up the stairs and again, to my right, there is this wall of mirrors and then to the left is the restaurant and then the counter. I am walking up the stairs and in the mirror and out of the corner of my eye, I see a man with a brown jacket sit at the soda bar and I turn around to greet him and he's gone he's not there like there's no one there and that's that's it that's it of that one I remember being like wait what but so weird so and there was also nobody it was really slow it was like a Wednesday afternoon or something like there was really nobody else in the bar in in the in the restaurant so that place fucking cursed and also the fact that like there are tunnels underneath it and this there's proof of this and they did satanic worship in these tunnels like well the fact that we didn't i am kicking myself for not going because i know what she's talking about behind the kitchen there was this like i'm not joking maybe four feet long 
tiny hallway that was filled with like plates on shelves. I never went through because I thought it was just that. And I just never turned right. Never. And I I want to know. God damn it, I want to know. Wow. But that place. Okay. We have we have a listener. I think I think she listens who currently works for this organization still. And if this listener, this is our plea to you because I know that you go and you make brownies in that basement. I am begging you. Please. Please shoot us a text. See if you can if you can send pictures of this little creepy room. Let us in. Let me in. Let us in. We'll pay you. We'll buy you lunch. I'll buy you lunch. Like, please. This is our plea from the pod. <sighs> Damn. Okay, well, you guys, that's probably the longest three to one shots we have to date. I I'll cut it down a bit. But if we have two episodes, we'll make this into two episodes. I don't it fucking is... care. It's Halloween. It's spooky season, bitch. There are no rules. I I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as we did. Um, we're some haunted spooky bitches, and truly, we <sighs> will be doing a call out for listener stories. So if listening to this has made you have you know recalled memories of your own haunted experiences, your own spiritual like visitations. We want to hear all about it. Please. So even if you have it before we put up our call, shoot us a DM. We'll keep you we'll keep you on the roster. But otherwise, we'll be putting out another form. So look for that. And in the coming weeks, Allison and I have so much haunted content for you. You guys are not even ready. And even if it's like sleepwalking stories, creepy stories, mm-hmm. like anything like that, anything spooky, we are here for. Send them in. I'm begging you. I don't care if they're two hours long. Please send them in. I want to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Jess, this was a horrifying delight. My cat scared me to near death, and I have not let my feet touch the floor since we started. So Me either. Alrighty, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will be back next week with more haunted stories for you. Yep, haunted places. Personally, can't wait. Okay, bye. Bye.